According to St. Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning with verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to his disciples and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Many years ago, one of my shut-ins called me. It was a gentleman who was 97 years old, asked if I would come to see him, which I was normally visiting him once a month, but he wanted another visit to talk about something. When I got there, he took out a letter and showed it to me. It was a letter he was presently writing. It was about six pages long. And uh, this gentleman, 97 years old, his handwriting was a little crooked, but still pretty amazing how legible it was. And he told me what he was writing this letter about. There was a, a woman who is now in her 70s, and when she was a teenager, this gentleman and his wife had taken her in as a foster child. And he, throughout his life, had always felt that he never did as good of a job as he could have trying to evangelize her into the Christian faith. They brought her to church and read devotions, but he just felt this burden on his heart that somehow he had not done enough toward this woman. And she was now in her probably mid-70s. And so he was now writing a letter to her and he wanted advice on what's, what are the best Bible passages, what are the best rhetorical devices I can use in my letter to try and bring her to faith in Christ. I thought, how amazing. Here's somebody, he ended up living to be 103, by the way, but here's somebody, that stage of life, still evangelizing, still loving this gospel so much of Christ, wanting other people to know about it. There's a great story in the Bible, in the book of Acts, where where Peter and John have been caught by authorities for preaching about Christ. And they, they keep wanting to do this, and the authorities are so upset with them, and they say, we cannot help speaking about the things we have seen and heard. Just think if you had seen the resurrected Christ, if you had seen the kind of miracles he had performed, if you had been present on the Mount of Transfiguration to see him in his glory, you can't help but want other people to know this wonderful news. And there was also another reason. Salvation is found in no one else. Getting to heaven is found in not a single other path besides Christ. And since Christ then is the only way to heaven, that's why he's given us this great command that we see before us in our text today. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that to build his church and to get people into heaven, God has devised no other plan than using us the members of his church, those who've already been brought to faith in him, the confession of his church. If there was some other way, we wouldn't have to do this. There'd be no need for evangelism. It's interesting to note, by the way, there are church bodies today that profess to be Christian and yet deny what the Bible teaches, that Christ is the only way to heaven. They no longer want to teach that. They believe that sounds too arrogant to teach. And so if you look at their mission efforts, quite often their mission efforts are basically helping, helping people with humanitarian needs, feeding the poor, building homes for them, starting schools, teaching farming skills, all things that by themselves are good and fine. 
But this is not the command our Lord has given to his church. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Only when you properly understand the force of God's holy law that hangs over the heads of all humanity, only then do you realize the significance of the gospel. St. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. In other words, knowing what would hang over us from God's cursing law if it were not for what Christ has done, that's why we have to go out and try to persuade people to believe in Christ. And faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of what he's done for all of us, has a missionary effort right in its very center and core. If you think about Jesus' earthly ministry, every conversation, every thought that he had, every situation he was involved in, everything he spoke about had to do with getting people to heaven. Every time for you and me that we hear the word of God, every time like right now when that word of God goes down into our hearts and penetrates and every time the Holy Spirit leads us to repent of maybe something we're doing in our lives right now that we know God really is not happy with. And every time our hearts are brought to repentance of that and, and realize the forgiveness we have in Christ, those are little mini conversions that are taking place. Heaven is trying to evangelize you even through my sinful mouth. And God is conducting mission work on you right now. And he doesn't stop all the way until your grave. And when that gospel of Christ, when the good news of what he's done for you touches your heart, it has another interesting transformative character to it. It converts you into being an evangelist. My neighbor has a, a nice garden and a big section of it is tomatoes. And quite often at the end of the season, he'll take all of the leftover tomatoes, and a lot of times there's hundreds of them, and he just reburies them in the ground. And it causes them to grow up again. The seeds in the tomatoes actually reproduce themselves. There is that same nature to the gospel. When the gospel comes into our hearts and is planted in our hearts so that we love Christ and appreciate what he's done for us, it automatically procreates itself to, to uh, want others and spread to others so that they can likewise hear this wonderful news of our Savior. The mission work of the church is not intended to be kind of like an afterthought of Christianity. It is a natural result of the gospel being spread. The gospel carries with it the very energy and power to advance itself. And what a blessing it is to see that in the lives of God's faithful. So these words from Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and so on. These are the marching orders of Christ's church. And yet they're, they're not oppressive orders. This is a joyful duty. It can be difficult at times, yes. It can be intimidating. About seven or eight years ago, we had a, a missionary here on our campus who was doing mission work in Indonesia. And in the part of the world he was in, it was against the law to try to convert somebody who wasn't a Christian to Christianity. Both you and the person listening to you could get thrown in jail. And I said, how in the world can you ever do mission work in a situation like that? And he said, it's not against the law for two Christians to talk about their faith. 
He said, we go into grocery stores and we greet each other from a distance and start talking real loud and quoting Bible passages. Hey, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Pete Bladel. Okay, and you're yelling at somebody at the far back of the store and all of the others around listen. He said, that's how we spread the word of God in our situation despite the restrictions. There's a joy that comes with being associated with this work. And I see that even in some of our students that come to me and tell me little incidents and stories where they've been involved in it. Think about how strange is the kingdom of Christ. His kingdom is made up of people who conquer the world by not caring about this world. The gospel is both extremely narrow and extremely wide. It is the most inclusive doctrine. It's for all nations, all people, no matter what their sins. But it is also super exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. May God continue to stir up our hearts to, to love the souls of others who need to hear the same precious truth that will take us into heaven someday. Amen. Please rise for the singing of the Kyrie.